0: Welcome to University of Iowa Insights, a monthly audio magazine featuring interviews with some of the world's leading thinkers, researchers, and teachers. In this, the July 2009 edition of our program, Ann Kapler talks with Liz Christensen, Director of the Office of Sustainability, about Iowa's current conservation efforts and how the university is bringing the issue of sustainability into the classroom. Then Nicole Real speaks with nonfiction writing program director Robin Hemley about his book Do-Over, which chronicles his present-day recreations of humiliating experiences from his childhood. We conclude with Gary Galuzzo talking with College of Engineering Dean Barry Butler about the college's leadership role in the Iowa Alliance for Wind Innovation and Novel Development, or IA Wind.
1: Hi, my name is Liz Christensen, and I'm the director of the Office of Sustainability at the University of Iowa. Liz, can you tell us what the term sustainability means? The definition of sustainability that I most often refer to is the definition that comes from the Brundtland Commission, and that is sustainable development is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Another definition that I like to use is act today without compromising tomorrow. And I always talk about sustainability being concerned with the need to understand and to raise awareness of the interdependent nature of our existence here on the planet and that what we do, the decisions that we make, and what we choose to undertake or ignore can have consequences beyond our perceived realm of influence and lifetime. What is the university already doing to achieve these sustainability goals in its day-to-day operations? One of the most important things we're doing is being aggressive on conservation of energy. And I don't think that you can talk about being active and being green in energy without first talking about conservation. And so we're becoming very aware and very active in terms of the energy use of our buildings here on campus. At the same time, we're looking at alternatives to coal combustion. We've had a very successful program here at the university for several years that has offset the combustion of some of our coal with the combustion of oat hulls. As we look to expand energy generation out at the Oakdale Research Campus, we'll be looking at 100% renewable sources of energy. In what other ways is the University planning to continue to lead in sustainability efforts? We certainly have a tremendous number of of examples uh, at the University of great work that's being done in climate change analysis, in modeling river flows, in renewable energies especially in wind power looking at the monitoring and controlling and cleaning up of air and water pollution but also we take sustainability into all aspects of campus life we have economic studies efforts underway to look at how sustainability is incorporated into art into writing into day-to-day planning for living and into building more sustainable economies. I was introducing a new certificate program in sustainability studies this fall. Why is it important to bring these issues into the classroom? I think one of the most important things and long-lasting things that we can do to uh, move towards sustainability is to educate this new generation of innovators and entrepreneurs and thinkers to help us address this most critical environmental issue. And so, toward that end, we're offering an undergraduate certificate in sustainability so that regardless of a student's basic area of study, whether that's art or journalism or history, political science, an undergraduate student can achieve and receive a certificate in sustainability that acknowledges an extended effort.
2: Robin Hemley, and I'm a professor in the English department in the nonfiction writing program, and also a UI alum from the Writers' Workshop.
3: Your latest book is called Do Over. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about what this book is like and how this idea to do this project came to you?
2: You know, I've always loved time travel movies and uh, sucker for stories in which grown ups become children again, the kind of Freaky Friday or Billy Madison kind of idea. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun if I actually could do that? I mean, not just as a Hollywood concept, but actually go back and sort of re-inhabit the past and re-inhabit some of the sites of my embarrassment. So can you recite your list of what were your due numbers? Yeah, I can recite most of them. <laughs> I, one of the things I did was I went back to kindergarten. Uh, I went back to prom with uh, a, a woman who I'd had a crush on when I was 16. Uh, I went to sixth grade, eighth grade. I joined a fraternity that I had sort of had some dealings with when I was uh, younger. I went back as an exchange student to Japan, which I had done when I was in high school, and you know I, I I also took attempted to take the ACT test over again.
3: So you've described the experiences that that you chose as failures or disappointments. When you became an adult, did you think back to these times quite a bit?
2: They weren't, for the most part, major, major traumas, but one of my do-overs, for instance, was going back um, and reprising a role in a play from when I was seven years old. I was in a a disastrous production of a play called The Littlest Angel. And uh, in the play, I was the heavenly messenger. And I was just supposed to go out and deliver one or two lines. And I got out on stage and I completely froze in front of the audience. Uh, and my lines flew out of my head and I just threw this box I was supposed to deliver at, and I threw it across the stage at this poor kid who sort of cowered in terror and, uh, and I said, here's your stupid box and ran <laughs> off stage. So I found, um, a group in Marietta, Georgia putting on The Littlest Angel and they let me reprise my role as the heavenly messenger. and I actually got to understudy for a nine-year-old. It was very funny, but um, but that episode you think, well, you know, why would that sort of be important to you? It was just a line that you flubbed when you were seven. But as I was doing the do-over, I realized, well, that was the only play my father ever got to see me in. Um, He died of a heart attack about three or four months later. And while i didn't put that together initially it was something that sort of struck me one day as i was you know working on the project and i thought oh well that's probably why that that sort of stuck with me
3: did you get any reactions
2: like what are you doing Uh, at horace man they saw me as a fellow kindergartner so i was really popular on the playground during recess i was always it The end of the first day of school, one of them said to me, so who's picking you up after school today? And I said, my wife, and they they all were stunned by that. Like, a wife? How could you have a wife? You're a kindergartner. Most of the kids and adults all were very supportive and said, you know, I'd like to do a few things over myself.
0: Thanks, Robin. To
1: learn more about the book Do Over, visit RobinHemley.com.
3: My name is Barry Butler, and I'm the Dean of the College of Engineering at the University of Iowa. Our college is leading the development of a collaborative project called IA Wind and that stands for the Iowa Alliance for Wind Innovation and Novel Development.
4: Barry, what is IA Wind?
3: IA Wind was founded in 2008 as a unique tool available for those companies interested in investing in or expanding to Iowa. It's a strategic virtual partnership designed to help firms that are core to wind energy production. And transmission as well as those who are part of a sophisticated supply chain in manufacturing.
4: What kinds of organizations are involved in IA Wind and what is the goal of IA Wind?
3: Well, Iowa Wind includes uh, industry partners, uh, state and federal agencies, uh, we have private colleges in the state of Iowa, the regents universities, and a network of uh, five or six community colleges as well. And our goal really is to help the state attract wind energy companies and related industries uh, really, in an effort to enhance Iowa's already strong position as a U.S. leader in wind energy, as an example, last year Iowa captured the number two national position in wind energy generation capacity in the U- in the U.S.
4: How is the state of Iowa showing its support for IA Wind?
3: Well, in April, IA Wind received a three million dollar three year grant from the Iowa Power Fund. It's a part of the Office of Energy Independence.
4: What does the grant mean to IA Wind, and how will IA Wind use it to attract industry to Iowa? Uh,
3: the grant will fund research, education, and uh, evaluation of testing needs that are expressed by numerous wind energy companies in the state already. Uh, and some of the elements of the grant have an industry match, dollar for dollar match, while other of the elements will serve basically to further stimulate wind industry developments in the, in the state. Uh, the research part will center on partnerships with industry. Uh, some examples of that might include things like supply chain management, meteorology, uh, blade design, grid management, power optimization, and so on. And then regarding the testing, uh, the grant has funds in it that will enable IA Wind to uh, explore such critical manufacturing areas as uh, gearbox uh, certification, testing new designs, uh, failure assessment of current designs.
4: Are some elements of IA Wind already underway?
3: Uh, In education, for example, the answer is yes. Uh, Last year, the the University of Iowa College of Engineering and Iowa Lakes Community College in Esterville signed an agreement that will allow uh, some of the Iowa Lakes students to transfer to either the University of Iowa's Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering or Mechanical and Industrial Engineering, uh, beginning with the fall of 2009. And this transfer program is designed for students who are enrolled in the Iowa Lakes Wind Energy and Turbine Technology Program. It's an associate and Applied Science program. It's widely considered the best in the country.
4: What is the future direction of wind power?
3: Well, the national goal is 20% wind energy uh, by 2030. And this will require significant growth in the industry as well as overcoming technical challenges. And I'd also add that to to achieve this 20% goal by 2030, the uh, wind industry in the U.S. will likely cluster in regions with a supply of uh, well-educated talent, uh, some demonstrated partnerships between universities and industry, and a very welcoming business climate. And I personally feel that that description really fits the state of Iowa, and that's why we're so excited about being a part of this uh, future-looking trend in energy production in this
2: country.
0: This podcast was produced by the University of Iowa Office of University Relations. For more information on our podcasts or to subscribe, visit us at news.uiowa.edu.